We saw Nick Pavetta's best outing of spring training thus far and a lot of patience from Tristan Casas and Yu Chang was having a heck of a time in the World Baseball Classic. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Red Sox is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Nessens Lauren Willand. As always, Jake Ignazuski, Jake Iggy, he is back after a few days, still in Atlanta, but now he is back on the pod for this week. And there's a lot of, you know, you, you go away for a couple of days and the Red Sox start losing games. So I think we're going to have to start keeping you in New England, even though it's wicked snowy here. You probably don't even want to be in New England right now. But we saw a lot of, of good things despite the losses. We saw, you know, Meyer and Miguel Blaise kind of put on, not put on a show, but they showed a lot of their talent and a lot of good things to look forward to. And Tuesday we saw, well, we've seen a lot of patience from Casas all season, but we had a, a really strong showing of patience from Casas on Tuesday. Just incredible plate patience. I don't, he's got the patience of a saint because I, every time he's at the plate, I would just be swinging for the fences. And this is why I'm not a professional ball player, but it's been really encouraging to see the patience he has at, in, at such a young age, too. I agree. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, watching him play in Portland, uh, Worcester last year, obviously. And, you know, for the short stint that we saw, obviously in Fort Myers early on going into this season, he just does a great job of having great play discipline, great patience. And, you know, that's one thing that I think this Red Sox team sort of got away from last year. We, we saw in 21, obviously in the first half, you know, they, they were swinging at absolutely every forward came along, sort of ingrained the play discipline, the patience a little bit going into the later part of the year, also into the playoffs. And then last year was sort of what we saw in 21. So, you know, it's nice to see a guy like Tristan Cassis continuing to show off his patience, uh, you know, in, in, in yesterday's game, uh, which was a single, uh, ended up, you know, having an 11 pitch up a bat, then a second up a bat, a double, got it on the first pitch. And then his last two up at bats, seven pitches for a ground out and then eight pitches for a walk. And, and you know, you're just continuously uh, impressed on what he's not able, not only able to do at the plate, but also, you know, with what he's able to show with his maturity as a rookie. But I'm hoping that, you know, this plate discipline not only, you know, is able to help him throughout the season, but is maybe able to rub off on some of the other guys, which we've seen happen a little bit more throughout this spring training because we're starting to see some of the walks continue to stack up. Yeah, if he can kind of set the tone for the lineup, not even necessarily be a leadoff hitter, but maybe that's where you put him to kind of, you know, plug and play with this lineup. But if he can kind of set that tone and just show the patience there, we saw a lot last year, just every single person just seemed to be swinging at the first pitch, swinging at pitches that are just well off the plate, high and inside, just pitches that you would not swing at or that you shouldn't swing at at first pitch swinging I want to abolish first pitch swinging so bad it just it's like one of my biggest pet peeves for no real reason it's just when you but then you see Costas come up here have those 11 pitch at bats draw the walks and just 
even when he grounds out, he's still working the count. And that's what you love to see. You know, you love to see the, the batter work that count, get the pitcher, get his pitch count up, maybe get on the little bit of the mental side of him, be like, oh, I'm going to at least make contact with everything you throw. I'm going to make you throw all of your pitches. I'm going to make you make this be a double-digit count, a pitch count, and kind of tire him out and be like, I'm going to win this battle because you're going to throw 11 pitches to me and it's going to result in a walk. Right. And, you know, that that also obviously drives up the pitcher's pitch count, uh, obviously can shorten some of the opposing pitcher's outings, get, uh, you know, the, the opposing team to get more into their bullpen, which could stack up even more of offensive production for the Red Sox. And so, you know, I, I think especially with what we've seen early on in spring training, we're seeing a lot of hitters have great patience similar to Cassis. And this just needs to translate more into – you know, what what we're hoping the Red Sox can do as an overall season. Now, you know, we've talked about it time and time again, not only during the offseason, but during, uh, you know, spring training, how this Red Sox team in their lineup uh, has a lack of power production. And you don't really know 100% what you're really going to get from them. And so, you know, with what we've seen up with guys like Yoshida, you know, Cassis is one of them as well, you know, Justin Turner, just on-base machines. If the Sox are able to find a way to stack up those walks, stack up those hits, and as I know you love this, more ducks on the pond. Yes. <laughs> that, that just leads to more runs. And then obviously, hopefully, if not only the rotation, but the bullpen is able to be effective, that stacks up and wins. And so I think, you know, a lot of times – People look specifically at the power numbers as a way to score runs. But if you're ultimately able to get a lot of great production through walks and hits and just getting guys on, you could, you could see some, some great output from this Red Sox offense. We can. We've seen it in spring training. And, you know, we've said it. We've said a million times that we know these spring training games don't count. But to see this kind of offense already, and a lot of these, a lot of the offense is coming from these hopefuls, not so much Casas, he's going to make the roster, but Ryan Maltapia, you have him. You could even make a, a case for Yu Chang, who we're going to talk about a little bit later on here. But you have mm -hmm. this, the offense just kind of coming alive. And I'd much rather see this in spring training than have them, you know, looking like this, the, the 2022 team and being like, great, here we go again. This is going to be a long 2023 because right now, I've labeled it as cautiously optimistic going into the season because they are showing really, really good signs of you know, offense, good team chemistry. The pitching, which we'll get into, is, uh, you know, it could use some work. And there's, you know, there's a lot of questions with James Paxton's injury, Chris Sale not being the opening day starter, which really isn't the end of the world at all. But you look at things are going right right now for, for the Red Sox. They're, they mm -hmm. look really good. They look really like a strong team and a team that, Looks like it could be productive in 2023. Does that mean they'll be a, a postseason contender? I don't know. The AL East is a very stacked division, but you look at you just look at what they've done so far in spring training. And yes, it's spring training. We know, but it's so encouraging, especially after everything that happened last season. And you know, I, I think one thing that people haven't talked about nearly enough is how this team has still been able to produce and. Without guys like Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, Rafael Devers, a lot of these players are in obviously the WBC. You know, this is one thing that, you know, I didn't personally think about is, is how is the team going to be able to respond and able to act without some of those main leaders, uh, not 
only in the clubhouse, but also in the lineup there each and every single day. And so it's it's been nice to see, you know, different players not only stepping up, but getting those opportunities, like you mentioned, with Meyer, with Blyce. And, and uh, you know, also, you know, one other thing as well, you know, we, we saw Chris Murphy and Brandon Walter get get a little bit of of some uh, rough rough performances yesterday but but that humbles them you know what I mean that helps the young guys be be able to not only mentally understand how to how to deal with adversity deal with failure but you know not everything is gonna go great all the time and I, I think that's what spring training is all about you know dipping your toes into a little bit of the tougher parts of baseball and especially for some of these minor league guys and some of these younger guys getting more opportunities uh, to be able to show what they got. And then, you know, uh, some other guys, you know, like Bobby Delbeck and, and some other players getting more opportunities at different positions, trying out different ways to ultimately be able to help this as possible. Yeah. It's been great to see, you know, not just the, the minor league players, but maybe players who aren't going to be everyday players or players who are fighting for a spot on that 26 man roster get a bit more, get a few more looks in spring training because of the regulars being at the WBC and they're fighting like they're like they're fighting for a roster spot and they are really showing that just what they could do and how much they want to be on this team, which I also think is very, very encouraging to see. And another encouraging thing we saw on Tuesday was Nick Pavetta's best start. He really needed a good start this spring training. We've talked about how, you know, he, this is, could be a big season for him because he needs to, he needs to be, he needs to be as durable as he was last year. Just his, mm -hmm. I would like, you know, seven innings of four, four, no, th like two runs and not getting shelled through the first four innings. But we will talk about Nick Pavetta, his start. We'll also talk about Yu Chang and the fun he had throughout the WBC as soon as Jake tells you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And now that, especially in Massachusetts, betting is legal you can bet on futures like the Red Sox making the playoffs, winning the World Series, or even a guy like Tristan Cassis or Brian Bayo winning the Rookie of the Year. Plus, FanDuel that's for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So Nick Pavetta, like we mentioned, he was due for a really, really good start. He was incredibly durable for the Red Sox last year. You would have liked a little more consistency in numbers-wise, but he did not miss a start last year. He was ready to go every five days or every five games, and he struggled a bit to, to begin spring training. But Tuesday, he showed up four innings, four innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. Sure, you'd like the, the hits to be a little bit less over the, the four innings, but you look at the one earned run, and then you look at his last two starts where he had three runs in the first one, two in the second, and now it's one, so maybe his next start will be zero. We're going just down and doing a little countdown here. But I was very encouraged by what we saw, minus the, you know, the four hits. I don't like the, you know, the hits averaging a hit per inning, but you kind of take what you can get right now. I'm looking at the five strikeouts and the one earned run. And, you know, you mentioned it. He has to be that durable pitcher in this rotation, you know. 
we've seen a lot of these starting pitchers dropping like flies uh, with, with injuries. You know, obviously we brought up Bayo, Whitlock and, and Paxton and, and especially with some older guys uh, like Sale and Kluber, uh, who you don't really know how many innings you're really going to get from them. And, you know, even though Pavetta doesn't always give you you. Uh, productive. You know, I've brought this comparison up before, but he reminds me a lot of Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, sometimes he'll have a two or one hit outing with, you know, eight strikeouts. And, you know, he's had plenty of those. And then out of nowhere, you know, he'll, he'll allow five earned runs for the next two starts or something like that. But he, he almost had 180 innings last season. If how much the Red Sox are essentially going to have to rely on him being one of those innings eaters. Being able to have him be productive is something that is going to be really key for the Red Sox being able to stack up these wins. And, you know, I, I think especially with more of a bright spot from what we saw in yesterday's outing, I see him get back into his normal form, getting prepared leading up to opening day. And, you know, I, I think you could also point to uh, some of his slow start from spring still being able to build up from COVID. You know, you know, we've heard a lot of players talk about how they feel dehydrated, how they feel weak coming coming back from having COVID. And so, you know, obviously took some time off, you know, had, had to be taken off the field after, you know, feeling dizzy early in spring training. So, you know, it's nice to see him building back up his health and also building back up sort of his semi-dominant production. Yeah, that's a huge thing too, is that, you know, he had COVID really bad and it took a toll on his body afterward. Like he couldn't even get through one pitch without being like, I need to get off this field, get out of the sun and just kind of lay down and relax. So it's, that was also very, very encouraging to see that he could get through the four innings and just kind of turn in a, a, a more, the most dominant performance we've seen from him this spring. I'd still like to see a little bit more. And I'm sure with his next start, we'll see, hopefully he'll see at least four innings and maybe he can go five and start really getting himself stretched out. And and I, we don't know where he's going to be in the rotation. We know that Corey Kluber probably will start opening day, but we don't know where Pavetta will fall in that rotation. I'd love for him to be, you know, that solid four or five guy, which I think is what he really is. But if he can come back and if he can give you the, the 25, 30 starts and be, you know, what we saw today, I, I'll take it. I will gladly take it. And the whole in, eating innings thing is so important, especially, you know, you mentioned – James Paxton, uh, Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, even with Tanner Houck, Chris Sale, you don't right. know what how many innings these guys are going to give you. And it kind of reminded me of Rick Porcello. I mean, he mm. ate innings all the time. He provided so many outings where he would just eat up innings for you and save your bullpen. And you need someone like that. It, and maybe Pavetta can be that guy where he's always going to be out there. And if he can give you, I'd say, you know, six innings every start on average, right. I'd say that's going to help your bullpen in the long run. You obviously want starts like we saw on Tuesday, but he could be almost like an X factor in this rotation, or maybe they're going to use him as a longer inning relief guy. He could be an X factor there too. And, you know, that semi be brought up early in spring training. Some reporters asked him, you know, if he is a starter and, and you know, he sort of, Gave not so much of a snarky, but but like a, a, a very quick answer of no, I'm a starter. It, then show us, then show us that you're able to be a productive starter in this league in you know, innings consistently. Yes, you can go out there and have a two hitter. That's great, but you know, especially when when you're you know pitching 25, 30 uh, games each and every single year. You know, when when you only pitch well, you know, five or ten out of those you know, twenty or thirty, it, there's going to be quite 
questions about if you're going to be a durable and productive starter in this league. And so you know, we, we've said it multiple times, you know, Nick Pavetta is what he is. We already know what he is. But at the same time, if you're so confident that you are a starter and that you deserve to still be a starter in this rotation outside of just being that labeled a innings eater uh, type of reliable pitcher that you know can go out there and give you uh, – consistently five to six innings outside of that you got to show us that that you're going to be a productive pitcher night in and night out and so you know I, i'm excited how you know he, he's able to take this role hopefully he's able to improve this thing you know we, we've talked about over the last few years especially you know after his great performance in the 2021 uh, playoffs, you know, with, with, you know, the passion that passion that he showed out of the bullpen, there's a lot of hope that, you know, he would be a breakout player last year, showed you exactly who he was and what we thought he was, but, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, delusionally optimistic or, or re realistically optimistic, at least for Nick Pavetta and for most of these different subjects. But, uh, all you can do is just root for the guy because you're going to really need him in this rotation. Someone I know that you are rooting for is Yu Chang. I think Yu Chang found himself his new biggest fan uh, after, you know, the World Baseball Classic having so much fun. He had a game-tying two-run home run against Italy, and then he had the Grand Slam against the Netherlands, and he was having so much fun. And his team, unfortunately, did get eliminated. They didn't make it past the pool, except our pool games out of the World Baseball Classic. You saw that Chang was super emotional. This is a huge tournament for these guys. They're representing their home countries. They're playing with some of the best players in the world, some of their best friends. And when it ends very early, it's got to be so emotional, especially when someone like Chang had a very, very strong season. He was even named the Pool A MVP. And to put that into perspective, Shohei Otani won the Pool B MVP. I'm pretty sure it was Pool B. So, I mean, he's keeping pace with, with, the, with the big dogs in the WBC. He's having a lot of fun. And it's just... It's so much fun to watch him, especially he's another hopeful for the Red Sox roster. And if he can transition this kind of power that he showed throughout the World Baseball Classic for the rest of spring training, Alex Cora might be like, ah, maybe you can stay. And, you know, going into this year, you know, especially when we, we spoke about his signing on this podcast, semi made it a joke because it was the only re-signing that the Sox made. In no way was I disrespecting Yu Chang as the player or as the person, but it, it was mainly of if, if you're a casual Red Sox fan or if you didn't walk into the season, you probably would have had no clue who this guy was because he only played, you know, five to ten games or so at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, he, he was somebody who wasn't really expected to uh, break out going into the WBC, but it was really nice to see him not only, you know, exude that passion, but also that great production at the plate. And, you know, I, I've talked about it on, on this podcast multiple times. I love the human aspect of the game and, you know, being able to, you know, see how much passion and heart he played with. And, you know, you especially saw, you know, when you brought it up about, you know, him, him having tears in his eyes walking off the field. Uh, it was just really cool to know that, this guy is going to be on our team this season. And especially in, in a city like Boston, I, I hope he gets the opportunity to be in those similar moments that we saw of him in the WBC. And he's able to have, uh, you know, a big home run in a big game or, or a walk off where he's, he's able to feel like he's a part of something like he was in the WBC. And, you know, it was a little bit tough for me to, you know, hear this quote of him after being eliminated uh, from the WBC said, you know, it's completely different playing here. I feel relaxed because everybody is with us. But in the U.S., I feel like no one is with me and I must work hard in silence. 
So, you know, my message to Sox Nation, you know, one of the most passionate fan bases in all of baseball, all of sports, we need to let Yu Chang know that we are with him. And, you know, there's no more silence. When you go to Fenway Park, there's no silence. And so, you know, we, we need to give Yu Chang a standing ovation, whether it's, you know, in there, it's at Fenway Park. He deserves to be heard and supported by Red Sox Nation. Because in my mind, if he's able to feel that energy like he did in the WBC, hopefully we're able to see the same sort of output like we did saw from him in the tournament. Yeah, and if he does start the season in Worcester, we know that people are just so welcoming down there. You know, like Bobby Dahlbeck talked about that and how the team is welcoming. Chad Tracy's great manager. The atmosphere down there, and we've been to Polar Park. We know the atmosphere there can get absolutely unreal. And he's just... I think he'll feel more welcome once he, you know, gets at, gets to Fenway, gets to Polar Park. And, you know, it's when he says, you know, he has to work hard in silence. It's like, I would love for him to take that and use that as motivation. Like you, if you, right. you know, you, you think you have to work hard in silence, you're going through it. You are, you're doing all the work. Then I would love for, you know, him to come out and use that as maybe a chip on his shoulder. Use that as extra motivation going into the season um, I loved watching him just the fun and many of these players just watching them have so much fun playing baseball they're just the crowds too I, I, I think I've talked about the crowds on every episode I've talked about the WBC because it's just they're just so into it and it's loud and it's fun and it's like playoff atmosphere every single game and you know this can the WBC has compared been compared a lot to you know similar to the Olympics. You know you could also say semi to the World Cup, and I I feel like especially with the atmosphere that, that we've seen so far this season, with, with it being six years uh, since it last being played, obviously nothing is fully the atmosphere of of you know the biggest stage in soccer. But at the same time. You know, baseball is classified in some people's mind as boring. And I don't think any of these games are boring. You know, maybe you could say, you know, the 22 to 2 game or something. Some of these blowouts where you already know what the, what the outcome is going to be. But at the same time, even, you know, when you saw Taiwan, you know, losing 7 nothing, you know, the atmosphere was just unbelievable, even though the fans knew that the team was going to lose. And I, I think especially if, you know, Red Sox fans are, are able to help you change, feel that, you know, I think that we could see him, you know, be able to have the team is, especially with, uh, you know, I think people are, are underestimating how big of a role he could really have on this team. You know, a lot of guys were talked about, Jose Iglesias, Elvis Andrews to fill in in that middle infielder uh, sort of backup position, either for Kiki Hernandez as shortstop or Christian Arroyo at second base. And Chan could play a big role in that, you know, not only whether he's backing up somebody or if an injury, knock on wood, ultimately ends up happening down the line or th throughout the season, Chan could be looked at as, as a really big player, not only uh, in terms of defense, but also in terms of the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, you, someone like you, Chang provides depth for this Red Sox team. And we've, we've said you can never have too much depth. And I think now, especially in the infield, that he can provide that depth to Christian Arroyo. And maybe even shortstop as well. Maybe get some guys some nights off. And when, when rust is needed way down into the season or if there's injuries that happen, you know, he can be there. And you're, you're going to need someone eventually. I don't think they're going to get through the season without injury. I don't think any team will get through any the season without, without injury. But to have him there, I think, is just a, another really good part to this team. Yeah, when he was re-signed, I was like, okay, like, 
that's good, <laughs> good for him. I'm excited for him, but interesting. And now you see like, this is the kind of depth. And now that we've seen the WBC, what he's done, like I said, that just has to transition over into spring training and then into regular season games. And I think, I think soon enough, he'll hear the Fenway crowd cheering for him, especially after the, his WBC performance. I think that fans will really get behind that as well. And uh, I, I saw ITM with, with Steve Farad and Joey Capone. They brought up the you sort of like the soldier boy thing. Like that could be his new thing. And I thought that was pretty funny. And then I looked up his Twitter handle and it's literally you, the soldier boy. I, I <laughs> yes. mean, how could, you, how could you not love this guy? And, you know, the, the first thing that came to mind, you know, when he when he took his picture holding up uh, the MVP uh, for, for the pool D is you know, now it's time to win AL MVP. And so, you know, that's huge expectations for a oh, guy yeah. who could be a bench guy for the Red Sox. But at the same time, we can all dream. We can all have aspirations. We can all, you know, uh, root for uh, has uh, li- limited possibility to happen. But at the same time, anything's possible. And so, you know, just rooting for you, Chang, and, and can't wait to see what he's able to bring to this ultimate team. Yeah, it'll be fun to see how the rest of spring training goes for him, as well as you know a few other guys who are not even just in the WBC, but are still here on this roster playing through spring training games. We do have one more segment to get to on the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. We're going to bring back the mental health minute. It's been a while since the both of us have done it, but I know that there's been, and I'll have Jake speak on it too, because he's the one who, who brought it up before we started recording, but there's been a lot of, of, a lot of junk going around on Red Sox Twitter. And it's, you know, like I said, it, it's junk and it's just, it comes down to just being a, a good person, being respectful toward one another. We're all here to to cheer for our teams. Um, don't don't be rude. Don't be a creep, and just be respectful of people. I mean, it's, it's so cliche. Be respectful of people on the internet, but like, it's just what is your point in being in being a bully on the internet? And you know. Uh... Going into this episode, I, I had a way that I wanted to speak about this, but I, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, we just got to lift each other up. That, that's that's all of the day. And, you know, I think whether we're talking about the Red Sox, whether we're talking about life, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, people have things that happen in their life, you know, that, that might not uh, make them feel excited to wake up in the morning. You know, everybody has those struggles. And I, I think whether you're on Twitter speaking about the Red Sox, um, you know, negatively or positively, I, I think um, just being able to be there to lift each other up no matter what and to support each other at the end of the day, I think is really important. And, you know, one, one thing, you know, I, I did yesterday um, is, you know, shout out some of my, some of my favorite accounts because uh, I, I felt I felt like especially with. Um, you know, you brought it up junk, but like the negativity that that was happening on, on Red Sox Twitter, it, it was it was um, it was good to you know fuel some positivity with it within the community because I think that's really what Red Sox Twitter is. It's it's a community, and you know, there's people who listen to this podcast that are involved within the community, and then there's some people who are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, you know, I think um, you know, being able to have those people uh, online who you're able to look to that can lift you up and support you, uh, I, I think is super duper important because, uh, you know, whether, you know, I listen to account on this podcast or, you know, whether somebody tells me that they really enjoyed the episode through Twitter, like that's support, that that brings a smile to my face. And, you know, that helps me, um, 
you know, live each day happy. You know, I, I think if we're able to you know, do that for somebody else, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned when when the when the negativity comes out, you want to you want to promote the the good people on Red Sox Twitter. And I think there needs to be more of that. Like, let's and it, we saw Red Sox Twitter rally around everyone over the weekend. And I was like, this is this is what makes the Internet great at times. And this is what makes mm. the Red Sox fan base. Yes, every fan base has bad people, has bad eggs, has people who are going to ruin it for everyone. But then you something happens and they come together and you're like, this is a good group of people at the end of the day. And they're going to have people's backs. They're going to have the right people's backs. And they're going to make sure they weed out the toxicity, the bad kind of the, the bad eggs, the bad people. And then it became, you know, I saw you do it. I saw a lot of other people to kind of promote the, the accounts that they enjoy, whether it's spicy takes on the Red Sox, analytical takes, positive takes, and just kind of everything in between. And I'm like, this is this is what makes Twitter fun is you have people rooting for the same team with several different takes being, you can have a, a friendly banter back and forth. You can have a discussion and it all just, it, it's nice when it blends together that way. And right. it, it was good to see that people, you know, like I said, everyone having this individual's back after everything kind of transpired. And then it became, Oh, Red Sox Twitter. This is, this is what makes it so good. It's when they all band together like that to weed out the, the toxicity and get the, the positivity going back on the internet. Right. And, you, and, you know, I, I think um, I think that's what make, that's what makes this fan base beautiful. I think that's, you know, one of the big reasons why I love being a part of Red Sox Nation, um, you know, whether it is on the app Twitter, or whether it is me just going to a game or just being out on the streets. You know, one thing that I do a lot is if I see somebody you know, wearing a Red Sox thing, I always say go Sox, whether they give me a weird look or whether they say nothing to me. At the end of the day, like we, we both love the same exact team and, you know, um, if you're here listening to this podcast, you know, I, I love that. I know that you love the same team that I do. And, you know, that's what um, that's why I love doing this. And so, um, you know, whether you use the app Twitter or, or whether, you know, you're, you're just living your regular life, just be supportive of people and be respectful of people, um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're all just trying to survive here and you know live each day happy. So. And that is the perfect place to end this episode of the Locked on Red Sox podcast. We're grateful for each and every listener. And if, if you interact with us on Twitter, on YouTube, wherever, we're always grateful for you. So thank you for making Locked on Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Locked on Red Sox right here on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast is where you can find us. And we're also on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox, Jake at Jake Iggy, and then me, La 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 Lauren, Three Laws. Lauren with four R's. And don't forget about the other Locked On shows across the network. Locked On Yankees, Locked On Astros. We're all jazzed that it's baseball season. It's almost opening day. We're back Monday through Friday. We're all happy about it. And now that you've made Locked On Red Sox your first listen, head on over to Locked On Fantasy Baseball to make it your second listen because you can win your fantasy baseball league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast and right here on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. We'll be back with you tomorrow and Thursday. Nope, tomorrow is Thursday. We'll get back with you Friday as well. And as we always do, we'll end the show. Jake, how do we always end the show? Keep the faith and let's go socks.